welcome back, listeners and viewers, to Schoolhouse Cracked, where we examine exactly what's going on in our public schools. We dig deep and we figure out what we want to do about it. With me is my really good friend, Dr. Marcus Motorchandler, who is an all-star of technology. Thank you for setting this up and for just uh, being the person who drives forward what we're, we're thinking about, what we're learning about today. Appreciate you. Yeah, and, and with me is Mr. Brett Derrickson, as always, mm -hmm. um, tackling some really challenging situations coming into what would be potentially the first, quote, normal school year, mm -hmm. um, and really being a champion of kids as they kind of come out of a really tough two, three years. Um, so as always, folks, uh, for our listeners and viewers, be sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, download us on all of your favorite podcast channels, and send us your thoughts, um, comments, feedback at schoolhousecracked at gmail.com. Um, so today, Brett, we're, we're revisiting a topic we talked about in season one um, that we got some feedback on from some of our listeners and viewers, um, and it's teacher shortage, but really looking at teacher shortage in a different lens, knowing that we've just started a new school year. Yeah, you know, just here's the story from the trenches for me, uh, and this is, I hope this is honoring uh, to, to my staff and, and, and not um, insulting. We, we've been uh, back to school for three weeks now, mm -hmm. one week with, with uh, before students and two weeks now with students. We've been in our professional learning communities, our department meetings. We've been through our own um, get-to-know-each-other staff with new staff. We've been building each other up. Icebreakers. Yeah, trying to build straight. <laughs> and I don't, you know how I love those. <laughs> I do love icebreakers, the only uh, male on the planet. But the point uh, is, is that, you know, we've, we're digging into our work now, mm. and we're talking about stress already. Two weeks in with kids, yeah. our teachers are really stressed about class sizes. It reminds me of those kind of what I, uh, my era of 2008 to 2013, where school funding and the economy uh, really inflated our, our, our classrooms. We're back above those 30 marks and around those 30 marks and, and more. Our teachers are uh, stressed with um, what we expect of them. You know, we've really laid out a clear vision, and that clear vision is really, really centered on kids, and it is tough work, and we know it's tough work. Mm -hmm. I told them with, right a with a sense of perceived urgency. Absol yeah. Absolutely. You know, I told them, I said, hey, I'm not going to take anything off your plate. I'm just looking to take the hot dog off and put a steak on. And for me, that analogy just simply means we're going to do better work, but it's, it's definitely not easier work. With that being said, our, our teachers are frustrated. They're exhibiting high levels of stress, and it's starting to feel like people want to leave, like they're begging for breaks, and we're not even to Labor Day. Uh, that quickly yeah, yeah. that yeah. that does remind me of that window back in the in 2008 to, to 13 14 yeah. yeah and and what we're what we're living in right now is uh, uh a situation where our principal was explaining to our our uh, a group of our teachers hey listen if we reduce your class sizes and we move these kids all over he's trying to explain to them the the shell game of yeah. where kids go which is hard for teachers to understand that's you can't not, put them in the basement no yeah. and that's not and that's not an insult we had 35 new enrollees just yesterday and which, which folks at home and teachers it, it when you're doing the math typically 30 to 35 is the magic number for a new teacher for yeah UFT, and that's for a school that's what yeah. we're hoping for but at this point in time here's the sad truth other schools in our district still haven't hired specific vacancies yeah. we have we so we are not going to get with a full staff a new teaching staff member when until our October, others yeah. you're right until our At other earliest, schools yeah. also have their their spots filled so the point is is we're serving the public our public comes in we're taking their children 
and we are left with the greater challenges. It, it, so what's the national landscape, Marcus? Help so, us out. So this is something, you know, I've been tracking dating back to right when the pandemic started to occur. Um, and in the middle of the pandemic, I remember back to spring of 2020. Um, and, and I'm sitting there as a principal and our schools closed down. And I was just kind of worried about some of our staff um, and, and some folks who just decided to step away from education for health reasons. I mean, mind you, this is the first three months of, of the country closing down. And, and so I started to see that. And then started to look at the applicant pools to fill those positions. And, and, and I'll tell you, back then, I, I started to have that inkling that something was not good. <laughs> and, and so I've been tracking kind of the national landscape here. And we've all heard, you've seen on social media, you see it in the news, um, you've heard it from us, hell, uh, that, that the teacher shortage is real. Uh, and for a variety of reasons, we have a confluence of events happening. Yeah. Um, and so one of them is just people retiring maybe a year or two earlier than they planned because just how the last couple of years have been. Um, some of it is people choosing to leave education entirely. And then the third is something that we've seen coming for over a decade, going yeah. to teacher hiring fairs, um, looking at applicant pools, is we just don't have teachers going into teacher preparation programs at universities like we used to 10 years ago. And, and so the most recent statistic coming, in, coming out of the, the last graduating class of May of this last spring of 2022 coming into the school year, the national average is is states teacher preparation programs are producing 35% less candidates coming Jeez. out of uh, coming out of undergraduate studies than they were 10 years ago mm -hmm. and in some states that number is as high as 75%. So if you're a college who's producing 15 or that's a bad example if you're a college who's pr producing 20 teacher candidates a year 10 years ago you're now producing I'm going to test your math skills. Five. Yeah, you're producing five <laughs> teachers. Yeah. And, uh, and so we've seen that. We, people are grasping for teachers, even going to other states to bring those teachers here, here to Colorado, for example. Um, and, and, and those numbers, the, those confluence of events are really impacting what's happening and then why you have vacant positions. And, and we talked about in season one, just the sheer number of vacancies that, that exist now. Yeah. Some school districts, some moderate size small or medium town communities, school districts still having 300 teaching positions posted. Yeah, there, there's, first of all, if it seems like I didn't have a comment right there while you're going with that, it's because I was so proud of myself for getting the math right on 75, what's 25% of 20 if I, people. If that, I had a medal, you would have actually earned goodness. that one. It wouldn't have been a participation. No, and if yeah. you don't mind, I'll just go ahead and pat my <laughs> on the back. But the, here's... Brett was a history teacher. So here, what are, what are the ramifications of that? They're, they're, they're long-ranging. Right now, what we're asking of schools to do is to produce what we used to call, and I know this dates me, you know, 21st century ready uh, uh, people for the economy. Mm -hmm. What we're now talking about is workforce, uh, work, workforce readiness, mm -hmm. folks. So that, that Skills means, that translate across. Yes, across and that's a larger range of schools. So we're, we're at, we, we went from, going back to that 2008, 2013 time, it was really sad because we cut some of those programs that we knew were enriching and valuable to kids. The good news is, is we're not doing that anymore. We're actually increasing the number of programs through career and technical education mm -hmm. and elective offerings and other things. We're increasing them, but we do not have the supply, teachers, for the demand, what we want kids to know and be able to learn. And what, and what kids and families want. Yes. Kids and families are telling us, as educators, they want these programs, and we're struggling to find the educators 
to staff those programs. Right. And know? so this is this really is simple math, folks. Yeah. It doesn't add up. We're not going to have the quality teaching staff right now. What, I mean, what you're going to share this in a little bit is not even quality teaching staff, but even the humans, warm bodies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, to get the job done. With that also being said, if you don't mind me taking a little bit of a segue, and please, please uh, bring me back to what's happening in some other states like uh, uh, Florida and Arizona. But I do want to say this: I had conversations. We, I have daily conversations with staff members about just going the extra mile. I don't feel any longer like I can ask a staff member to do things that I did for my school and my students when I was a teacher, mm -hmm. meaning show up to the basketball game and keep score, meaning uh, follow through with a club or activity that a student generated. Yeah. Because there's so such low supply, mm -hmm. we're able as teachers to say, and I know, I know this probably rubs you the wrong way because you're a good workforce, life balance person, but everybody wants it all. Everybody wants their art night. Everybody wants their school football team. Everybody wants their book club. Everybody wants their mountain biking club. Everybody wants all these things. But we're running out of folks who are willing to take on the extra challenges that produce those neatest moments for kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you, you know, we talk about what are the solutions, right? And we, we talked about that in the teacher shortage. And then just how do you, how do you take care of teachers to make them want to stay? Um, but I'll tell you what you don't do. Okay, go supply, ahead. To supply your workforce and some of the asinine things I've seen come out of the, the media lately. <laughs> there you go. And, and so I have to I have to couch this in I have to preface this. Um, in in one of the states in Florida, um, Florida has a, a new policy that came out and it was actually misreported in the news and blown out of proportion. But it still has those cracks that mm -hmm. we talk about in schoolhouse cracked. Um, about uh, they've passed legislation to allow folks from the military with no formal training in education or pedagogy to become a teacher in the classroom um, with a concurrent, you know, I'm enrolled in the program and I'm learning. Now, I'm saying this as somebody who teaches and works with almost an exclusively 100% population of, of military officers and enlisted folks, and I sit on the University Council for uh, Military and Veterans Affairs. Mm -hmm. So it's something, like, I, I definitely support our military. I grew up in that world. That being said, if you're MOS or folks, well, folks at home, if your job description is logistics, and you deliver missile parts in the military, that doesn't translate to being an Algebra One teacher necessarily of middle schoolers. Um, and so Florida passed that to back end their, their, their supply line of teachers. Will that put warm bodies in the classroom? Absolutely. Will it put somebody who probably has high levels of discipline and, and self-awareness in the classroom? Responsible, rational yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, can take feedback mm -hmm. from somebody and implement it. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the one of my favorite science teachers yep. we hired out of the, I think you. Yeah, well, we, I remember exactly your speech. We had a wonderful uh, retired military enlisted gentleman got his bachelor's degree and came in to teach science for us. And, and man, could that guy take feedback and implement it. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, the, the skill set and pedagogy and instruction and assessment was massive. And, and as an administrator at the time, he took up most of my coaching time, yeah. uh, knowing that there were other folks who needed that. And so is that a solution to staffing a classroom? Yes. Yeah. Is that a solution to providing the highest quality education? No. And so is it addressing the root cause? No. And, and so that was really frustrating to me when I read that and dove more into it is, is Florida's putting a Band-Aid on a broken leg. And, and it's, it's just this uh, simple, folks. Um, who do you want in front of your child? And, you know, I'll let there uh, be a pause there. Of, of course, uh, in this case, we're just we're talking about probably a smarter of, you know, um, excuse me, a better avenue for a temporary 
uh, solution than yeah. others that, that yeah, we abso- see. Absolutely. I would, def- uh, I would definitely put that person in a classroom in front of a kid. Yeah. But what do I want that person being responsible for my student passing calculus and getting no, into that, the college that, of their choice? Thank you, yeah. Marcus. That's where, yeah. that's where I was going. You know, I, you know, I mean, I do, and I don't want to put down any other grades. It's just more easier to understand it when I say it like this. I've, you know, I've got a son who's in pre-calculus right now. So do I want somebody who's really fought and been trained in over time teaching in pre-calculus or somebody who knows calculus coming in and figuring out uh, the pedagogy, the building learning environment? How we, students learn that. Right, that absolutely. Level you yeah. and I would be absolute ridiculous hypocrites right now if we had spent so many episodes talking about the nuances and richness of building relationships, culture, um, inspiring learning and then all of a sudden we uh, threw the bath out of the baby water and we're like hey anybody who's ever known a content area can teach it that is a lie mm-hmm. and, and you know working in higher education I see that all the time and I had a wonderful conversation actually just yesterday um, with a, a colleague and she was uh, she's a professor of biology mm-hmm. and but her track to being a professor of biology started in teaching biology in middle school mm-hmm. and then teaching biology in high school and now being an instructor of biology in college and then being a professor of biology. Mm-hmm. And, and what's really interesting about that is the level of instructional knowledge she's gained going through that process yeah. as opposed to com- being an, a biology expert coming from a lab. Yeah. So d- do they have the same understanding of biology, microbiology? Absolutely. Do they have different ways of conveying that to a learner? Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Ab- yeah. You know, ab- absolutely. I mean... This is what this is what I'm getting after. I'm getting a little bit uh, riled up, and I think my I'm getting riled up because I'm I'm frustrated. So, folks, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause the segment right now, and for folks just listening, you're not gonna be able to see this, but this is what Brett does to me when I'm riled up. It's called the soft touch. Yes, it is a soft touch. It's just a gentle touch of yes. the elbow. It's very it's calming. Super soothing. All right. Thank so you. I just wanted to pause and maybe just. Yeah, that's right. much better. <laughs> I think I clearly know. The point is, is that truly, um, we're not investing. In, in education as a profession the way that we once have. Mm-hmm. And it's in, it's in the numbers. Uh, men and women are not getting into education. We're looking to secondary avenues. Some of these alter, alternative licensure programs were a good way mm-hmm. to bring quality people through a process faster. They're now becoming the main artery mm-hmm. to how we get people in front of our children and that is not what we want to hire as educational leaders, and that's not what I want for my children. I do want people who are fired up about this profession. Mm-hmm. Fired up about the content and fired up about the profession. We talked about joy in learning mm-hmm. um, in, in season one. And somebody who, a teacher who loves their content and, and knows it well and loves the job of teaching is exactly who you want in front of kids. And yeah. so we, we've been fortunate enough, you and I, over the years, to, to be able to hire and work with some really awesome alternative licensed teachers. So for folks at home, if you're not familiar, somebody who might um, have worked in engineering, maybe they were uh, uh, an aircraft engineer at um, Bo- Boeing, yeah. and then maybe they decided they want to try something different, so they came and taught engineering in a high school. Yeah. And, and so you can find a good person who's super knowledgeable, and, and we can teach them how to teach, right? Mm-hmm. A- and if I've got somebody on my administrative roster um, who's like that, I can work with them. Yeah. But when, I, when my entire administrative roster are people like that, you can't, you, you're, you're just spread really, really thin. Yeah. And so, yeah. and, and then that goes into another asinine thing I've seen recently, um, that coming out of Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so the Arizona situation is, is dumbfounding to me. And it, again, it's a bandaid on a broken leg. 
Arizona's legislation and its its policy now is that you can, if I, I give me a random profession, Brett, random profession unrelated. Uh, nursing. Okay, if I'm a nurse, I may be an excellent nurse, right? I'm, I, hell, I might even have a master's degree in nursing. Mm-hmm. I might have wonderful uh, client interaction, patient interactions. Um, if I want decided tomorrow I wanted to be a teacher, I, tomorrow I could be a teacher in a school. And the two caveats are I would have to simultaneously enroll in a teacher education program, and I'd have to have a teacher mentor. So if I decided tomorrow I wanted to do that, I could. I could be hired, and I could be credentialed by the state of Arizona. What is the typical process here, and you know this, is you spend three and a half years learning how to teach, and then in your final semester (laughs) of your fourth year, you do your student teaching placement because you have theory, you have knowledge, you have application, and now you're actually putting it into place under a master teacher in the classroom. We've just done a 180 on that, and we're putting somebody in the classroom and then teaching them as they go. So I'm sure there's some wonderful people in Arizona who are doing wonderful things with kids just because they're good people and they want to be there and they want to help. But I'm really curious to see what that first three weeks of instruction looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's what I'm curious about. I I can't wait, and this is is what's difficult about solving problems, Mm -hmm. is we're not going to know the magnitude of the problem or what I predict to be the magnitude of the problem. For a couple years. Yeah, for at least least five years and probably ten years until whether or not those folks who are being – rushed in like refugees are actually have decided to either stay in or are capable of staying in or if we've even changed our evaluation processes in order to keep people feeling like they're winning it in the classroom because we we need them there um you know ultimately uh what i can say to this issue is this is again families and communities and and here's what's the toughest part is if you live in a challenging community for for any reason whether it's urban or, or rural, whether uh, maybe perhaps good uh, uh, labor-based jobs have been moved out to and, and reallocated and, and, and placed in another space, or they've or they've been outsourced, uh, you know, across the world, the the challenges are getting tougher and tougher for those places, those those what we call the middle American right. than they than they've ever been, and so now your whole mobility of your of your family that you've been working hard for is at jeopardy because if we believe in the quality of education, then we ultimately believe that it leads to passion, it leads to choice, it leads to opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that is directly and has always been directly correlated to the quality of the instructor. Absolutely. And so now we have an instruction uh, instructor vacuum. We have a a system that essentially devaluates those who are going to take traditional pathways. You know, at this point in time, Marcus, I'll just simply say it. I've got a son that I think is really interested in teaching and coaching. As a matter of fact, he's a you know a top ten uh, percenter. But at this point, why don't I didn't know Tegan was interested? In yeah, he's very he's very yeah. interested, and and he loves coaching, and he and he wants learning to be exciting again, and he he's taking that on as a personal challenge. But here's the deal: I might just tell him, hey, go get your degree in whatever you're interested in. Yeah, try that out first, and if that doesn't work out for you, now you can always jump into education well and and that's been kind of the the blemish on on public education for at least in 20 years i've been in public ed is um the 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 comments from the the community and the public if you can't do teach or it's a fallback career yeah and and it seems like there are there are places who are setting up education to be a fallback career Mm -hmm. and 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 so then what's what's the solution we we always try to look into the cracks to see what the solution is um, and so this is one of those macro solutions because it, it's, I would say, very culturally unique to the United States. Yeah. Us, 
both of us having worked and lived abroad and being educators abroad, um, the, the, the level of, of respect and prominence and reverence and reverence and in corresponding pay, mm-hmm. um, for educators in America does not match our colleagues in other countries. And, and so where do we jump in and then fix that? Or, or where's the solution? Yeah. I, you know, th- there are a number of possible solutions, but right now they do feel like they're in, in the clouds. Mm-hmm. If I don't, if I don't mind saying that, it's like, um, I'm empty here. You know, I have this kind of policy based idea that right. essentially combines, uh, it really morphs the idea of a, of a JROTC, uh, or an ROTC, model meaning you recruit elite mm. people you give them a free education which which many countries and western european countries are known to do right yeah. that you place them wherever the greatest amount of need is within the mm. state um into the place where they get they get their college tuition uh paid they get um an allowance for housing and this is on the taxpayer dollar. I'm straight up saying it. This is this is policy. This is on the taxpayer dollar. They get placed for four years wherever the greatest need is in the state. In our state, uh, in Colorado, there's challenges on the western slope, just rural areas, yeah. the western slope and in, in the eastern Pure plains of Colorado. But the point is, we we place them there because they are excellent. They're excellent at school. Uh, they they are they're passionate. They're innovative. They have all the attributes of of, of professions that we revere. And then after four years, they have four years of experience. They can stay there because they've, they've met people and they've decided to settle down. The or, or they can, at that point, they've, they've done their service and they can relocate. But right now, what we're not even doing, we live here in an unbelievable place. And we still have teaching vacancies in our region in high-quality school districts left unhired. And if there's a problem here, then I'll just say it. If there's a problem on the mountaintop, then we've got to worry about the valley. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where when I think of how we solve this problem, it, the scale of the solution is so large, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And, and so somebody who's in a school, in a classroom, or maybe in a school district, um, trying to solve that problem. And, and so this goes back to something we've talked about. And we have a good friend who's a principal, and we've always kind of been in the same mindset is um, you, you hire good people. Mm-hmm. And if you hire good people, you can, you can teach them how to teach. Yeah when you need to teach everybody how to teach on day one, that's mm-hmm. when it becomes overwhelming. And then you start to see the problem on the other side. Yeah. Um, and that's where we're at. Can we just acknowledge yeah. Yeah. we're there? Absolutely. It's not coming. We're there. And, and it was a slow moving train. It reminds me of that scene in Austin powers where the steamroller is coming slow motion <laughs> and he's yelling at it to stop for yeah. like 10 minutes. Um, we, we saw it coming. And so if, if, if I'm in a, an administrator chair or I'm hiring somebody, What's the solution? And, and this is one of those times, folks, like if it were me and I'm sitting in that chair, there's not a solution. Um, mm-hmm. It's can I put somebody good in front of children? Yeah. And so I just beat the hell out of two legislative policies in two different states. Um, that being said, if the people who are implementing those policies in the chairs of principals, assistant principals, department chairs, are just are looking for good people to be good with kids, that's still a better solution than nothing. Yeah. It's just where do we go from here? Yeah. You know, and I'll just tell you, I'll just say this as, as a confession, and you know this as well. I have helped hire people on that values-based, I will look after you, I will care for you, I can bring you in, I can help you. And then I have let them down because we, I, of my I, inability I, I well. to, to follow through 
on my mentorship and my leadership and the things I can do. And one of the reasons is, is because um, even at my level, we're doing too many things to follow through on our, on our word. I've got to start hiring good people who care about the, the hearts and minds of kids who are also well-trained. And I need our community to care about all kids, not the kids in their neighborhood, but all kids. Because what's happening in our region right now is a, a school district is offering signing bonuses that are that are helping people leave their current jobs and take a new job for, even one district away yeah one district away yeah. two thousand five hundred to five thousand dollars depending on the position but the whole point is is they're robbing peter to pay for paul yeah. and eventually that money comes out of a general fund that's going to eat those teachers up because they're not going to have the supplies yeah. or the busing or or the the meals or the different things or that the are general of more hours. Yeah. So so the point is is like we are we're eating ourselves alive here. Uh, let's quit cannibalizing and let's find a solution. Well, and I was just reading a county in South Carolina is offering ten thousand dollars signing bonus. Mm-hmm. To even just move from one county over. Yeah. And so, again, is that solving the problem? No. no. It's banded on a broken leg. Yeah. So one, one of the things, folks, we talked about in our most recent – or in our last episode was um, school boards and, and encouraging you all to get involved in your school boards, um, either running for or just engaging with your school boards. And so this is one of those situations where um, the, the profession of teaching – is taking a hit in the ways in which we treat teachers, the decisions we make within our school boards, um, and in and the, the way in which we ask them to pay for their education. You can get an engineering degree for the exact same amount of money that it, you have to pay to get a teaching degree mm-hmm. with very different earning potentials. And, and so those those decisions that are made at the school board level are really important. And so I say this also because we had some wonderful feedback from one of our listeners, Lucas C., um, who wrote in uh, asking us to cover some uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, initiatives and and how that's playing out in, in the K twelve setting in the educational environment, um, and uh, and that was an opportunity we wanted to take during our school board um, uh, our school board conversation. That's an episode we're going to be talking about coming up. Yeah. That being said, um, that diversity, equity, and inclusion component is very important also when it comes to solving this problem. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely. We all ask ourselves, or we all assume that diversity has this great value. And it's weird to say, but sometimes we got to ask, well, well, why? As, as, a, as a hiring uh, a personnel in, in a school, why do I want diversity, equity, inclusion? And I, Lucas, diversity thank you. Hiring, by, yeah. by the way, Lucas, thank you, because this is one of our millions of listeners and viewers whose idea is going to I got to keep reminding you, Brett, we're in the billions of listeners now. This <laughs> is one of our billions of listeners who's actually going to shape an entire episode, if not yeah. a series. Absolutely. But what I will say is this. When you have a diverse and inclusive staff, you have a community of problem solving and thinking that is sustainable. Absolutely. If there's only one way of thinking or there's only one lifestyle or life experience, then we're kind of constantly be letting our kids in our community down because we can't even relate or connect to our own communities. Mm-hmm. So Lucas, huge shout out because this is a part of sustainability. If you want to have teachers in front of your kids, quality, passionate teachers, then they're going to have to have a natural connection to that 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 learner. Yeah, and, and you know we've said for years in in the sphere of public ed is you want to look for educators who look like their kids yeah. because kids are looking for teachers that look like them. Yeah, and, and so one of the shortages, one of the issues behind the shortages and some of these policies, uh, one of the outcomes I think is one of the favorable outcomes to going this route looking for the silver lining is that I do think we're going to see nationally a trend of 
diversification of our teaching force. Yeah. So I'm trying, I'm not an optimist. My wife would say I'm a pessimist. I say I'm a realist, but <laughs> I, I do think this is an opportunity to diversify our teaching force. Yeah. It's then what we do with that diversified teaching force to keep them in the profession and bring them up to a high standard of instruction. Well said let's, uh, you know, let's look into an, another marketplace and, and there is a, there is a marketplace uh, within our uh, the diversity of the United States that we're not tapping into, mm-hmm. and you're you're exactly right. This is probably an uncharted territory where policy and ideas can come together and actually, uh, you know, turn a uh, tragedy into an opportunity. And so, folks, if you're one of those people at home who's listening to this and thinking about getting into education but actually isn't, don't take anything that Brett and I said as discouragement to get out of public education because you didn't go through a traditional teaching and mm-hmm. education program. What I would say, if you are one of those people, look for people who are going to invest in you and are going to invest in that process, knowing you're going to get thrown to the wolves immediately. Yeah. But you'll always have somebody in your organization who's willing to take you under the wing and, and show you the ropes behind some of those pedagogical and, and assessment strategies. Yeah, and when you get into that interview room and they get to that 10th question or that 12th question, and it's, and it's oh, what questions do you have for us? The question is, describe the ways in which you support new teachers when you bring them into your building. Like, mm-hmm. Put them, put them up to the test. What are they doing to support you? And if you don't get a good answer, run. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, for sure. So, uh, folks, this is one of those episodes where we always try to look for solutions in those cracks in, in, in public education that we talk about. Um, and, and there are some solutions here. They're not one of those solutions in some of our previous episodes where you can implement tomorrow in your first period class. Yeah. Um, but they are things that if we have a collective efficacy behind and we're talking about, we're thinking about, and we're looking for solutions long term, we can address. Yeah. This is a big country. Uh, this is a glorious uh, planet. Where are the policies that are working for inspiring, bringing quality educators into your school community? Um, I heard it was giving them special hats and a T-shirt <laughs> yes. uh, on the T-shirts, first day of school. A bag of pencils with a stapler and some, some tape in it. Some bagels in the staff room. <laughs> Cream cheese at your own expense. Um, so, folks, thanks for tuning in to Schoolhouse Cracked. As always, with me is Mr. Brett Derrickson, somebody who's dedicated a, a strong portion of his life to looking into these cracks, really from a diversity lens, and really trying to reach out to all those folks we really do want in front of kids and supporting kids and being representatives of their community. Yeah, and my close friend, Dr. Marcus Motor Chandler, who's put himself in every single spot in the public sphere of education. I appreciate that you're at the university level and that you're going to be helping uh, produce uh, quality teachers. And thank you uh, for for bringing to us the, the cracks so that we can investigate it, man. I appreciate it. So thank you again to Lucas C. We'll be featuring an episode on one of your suggestions. As always, folks, send us your thoughts and suggestions for future epi- episodes, things that are going on in your communities at schoolhousecracked at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and download us on all your favorite podcasts.